You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 197 and 198, so close to 200, of talking through the Bible. We're continuing in the spirit of the oral tradition. We're working our way around a fictional campfire, talking about the amazing story of God as it's been given to us in the scriptures. Glad you're with us. Sorry, now I was looking around for something I could make a campfire yeah, noise. They, no, it's a metaphorical campfire. Um, our garage doors won't allow us to sit around the same campfire anymore. Okay. <laughs> Chapter three of what? Sorry, oh, where yeah. are we? Our Old Testament reading for today is Amos chapters three through chapter five. There's some bad news coming. Oh, man. There's some bad news coming. But there's Let good the news. justice rolls oh, down. Justice rolls down like a river. Yeah, so Amos introduces Israel to the blues. Yeah. And uh, severely. Uh, actually, quite literally, there's a part in this where he actually sings a dirge yeah. to if, Israel. And I would use these uh, three ch- chapters here in Amos to write an awesome blues song, because there's a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, there's yeah. lament, there's encouragement, there's it's still some hope, but it's pretty dark. There's like sarcastic rhetorical questions. Yeah. Well, let's get to it, man. So the first thing in chapter three is, um, it reminds me of, uh, you know, I think, I forget what movie it was. It's like with Jim Carrey, one of these really silly movies, maybe Dumb and Dumber, like, I wouldn't go out with you in a million years. And he goes, oh, or something like that. And he goes, so you're saying I have a chance. Oh yeah. The chance of us getting together is a million to one. He's like, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes. Well, that's kind of what I hear here when God says, or Amos says, against the whole family, he goes, oh, people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. Oh, he's spoken against the whole family. Yeah. Wait, so you're saying we're a family? Yes. That's how I feel about it. It's like, yeah. And then he says it again. Of all the families, I mean, this is, and he even goes on more about knowing, mm-hmm. this idea of knowing and intimacy. God says through the prophet, do you realize I chose you to be my family. We mm-hmm. are intimate. We gave each other a covenant. We bonded to one another, and I committed to love you with all my strength, with all my might, with all my heart. Like, God made that commitment first. Yes. And he's, that's why he's repeatedly saying, will you love me the same way, please? What have I not done for you? Mm-hmm. What haven't I controlled? What haven't I... And, then, and he goes on, and he gives, like, another seven, right? Yes. There's, like, well, six questions leads to the seventh question, and they're all rhetorical questions, like, but basically saying, what haven't I done? Yes. Right? Uh, basically coming down to, does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And he's like, look, you have abused, you've been the abuser in this relationship. Right. You've abused the Lord, and now disaster's coming. Like, and you shouldn't be surprised. Right. It's not a shocker. It should not be a shock to you guys because you have abused his goodwill. You've turned away from everything that he's asked you to do. You've broken his law completely. And yet you still act like you're good. Well, and then he's We're like... We're good, right? And we, Yeah, it's ridiculous. You're all caught red-handed mm-hmm. in rebellion. And then he's like, I'm just praying that... Kind of like as a shepherd, he's seen things torn apart by a wild animal, mm-hmm. and you see remnants. He even says like an ear here or I mean, a, leg. A, a leg there. And uh, I've seen that before. 
I remember on a, a golf course as a young, I was a lot younger, we came upon this, this hole and there was a cat leg. Oh, weird. It was disturbing and disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the remnant that yeah. he's talking about. And he's like, if you're lucky, God will save little bits and pieces. Yeah, because he's like, at this point, the destruction that's coming is unavoidable. Like, you've walked so far outside of this relationship that there's no protection left. Yeah, and he starts listing. If you've been with us, he's saying, I'm going to destroy the altars of Bethel. Mm-hmm. Like, And you start going Bethel and Dan, and you realize the geography of this place. It's from the very far north to the very far south. So, yes. All the high places he's going to yes. destroy. And then this is an interesting line in verse uh, 15. I will strike the winter house along with the summer house. Oh, yeah, yeah, And the yeah. houses of ivory shall perish. The great house shall come to an end. Because they were during, it was during a time of prosperity, mm-hmm. right? This is like relief from the Syrians because Assyria is hurting the Syrians. Yes. And so they're all thinking, oh, God's happy with us. Mm-hmm. And Amos is going, no. you know, like in 20 to 30 years, it's all, or maybe 50 years at this point mm-hmm. away, is total destruction. And he even says, you will be besieged. Mm-hmm. And they, it's hard for them to believe. And so part of the prophecy is, um, I'm going to strike down your extreme prosperity and wealth. Yes. You have a winter house and a summer house. And I will take care. I yeah. will take them all. And yeah. But then he gets personal in well, chapter four. Yeah. So, but again, he's saying like, if you maybe at least cry out to the Lord, maybe a remnant from the destruction yeah. will be saved. Maybe there will be a torn up couch or a yes. leg every, available. And I think that's why they broke up the chapters because every chapter has like the prophecy, the question, the yeah. prophecy. And then there's like, but you know, even the Ninevites could say, who knows? Maybe God will relent. Yeah. So maybe we should learn from the Ninevites, from your favorite prophet Jonah, who prophesied all this prosperity for you guys. Maybe you should take a key from the Ninevites, who he prophesied to, and said, maybe the Lord will relent. Maybe we've, we are too far gone. You're right. Oh, no. But Lord, save a remnant. But they're hard-hearted. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he gets in chapter 4. He calls the women, you cows of Bashan. <laughs> because... Basically, they look like cows. They're over, <laughs> overweight, and yes. their appetites are insatiable. They've been living in prosperity is what mm-hmm. this means. And then he's like, here's how they live. They oppress the poor. They crush the needy. Mm-hmm. Who say, And then they say to their husbands, bring, the, bring that we may drink. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, the idea is that there's been so much pros- prosperity and this injustice that the women are out of control. And then he's like, uh, a day's coming where the Lord's going to lead you out of your houses on fish hooks. Right, which is you're becoming slaves. But see, this Mm -hmm. is all about the bride of Christ, Mm -hmm. the bride of God, which is Israel, has become overweight and insatiable and unjust and cruel. But the irony is, and the prophecy is, you're going to be led out by slaves. Mm -hmm. You think you're the slave masters, but you're going to be led out by slaves by these fish hooks. Uh, And and you'll actually walk through the breaches in the wall. Like the wall is going to be, which happens, we know. Yeah. And they're going to walk through the breaches in the wall to a land that they've never been to mm-hmm. before. Uh, the, okay, so reading Amos. So again, I have to constantly remember, remind myself, Amos is a shepherd. Right. He has no training. And as I, you read him, I'm constantly reminded of uh, when Peter and the apostles give testimony yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah. the priests. And they're all like, wait. These guys are from Galilee. Like, they have no training. They're, 
They're but not yet shepherds, the, but they're fishermen. And they're like learned men. Right. Like how how are they speaking like this with all this confidence? And and so as I'm reading Amos, there's so much like there's poetic stuff happening. There's a lot of wordplay that he's using, yeah. and it's all very brilliant and well thought out and put together. And I'm going, this really is from the Lord. Right. Like he really got this stuff from the Lord. But what I'm realizing too though, it's not rocket science for a person who is going to fear the Lord to look at the state of the nation and go, you guys, we've been worshiping false gods for years. Mm -hmm. So that's what's so cool. It's like God is gifting him. Like Amos has spent some time with the Lord. Yeah. And he's understanding, but his personality is still there, so he's about to be sarcastic. Yes. And And his brain is still intact where it's like, no duh. Yeah. Like, this is a no-brainer, y'all. Uh-huh. Come on. And I think he still cares for, but they're not going to respect him because he's a shepherd. I liked what you said earlier. You, we were talking, and you said, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Oh, yeah. Because the reputation of shepherds, where they couldn't be trusted in court. They're kind of seedy, mm-hmm. thieving kind of characters. They're left alone in the field. You can't trust them. And so Jesus is like, I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. Yeah, even Jesus, when he's using the analogy, has to always tag on the good modifier to the word shepherd just because so he doesn't lose his audience and be like, wait, you're you're comparing yourself to a shepherd? Oh, we don't like them. And so it's easy to discredit (laughs) Amos here, but Amos is being led by the Lord. The word of the God is coming, of of God is very clear through him, and he gets sarcastic. He says, uh, well, bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Yeah. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You know, he goes, do more. Oh yeah, so because why don't you just keep on sacrificing to your to to God and all your false gods at Bethel and Gilgal, which you know you're not supposed to be doing? Just keep on going. Why don't you double down? For so you love to do, mm-hmm. you love to do these sacrifices. You don't really love God. You're just yeah. trying to control and manipulate your future. And also remember, the way the sacrificial system. I I constantly have to remember this because I'm we're so far away from it. Yeah, it's always like a constant little barbecue. So right. if you're rich, you're going up, you're having, you're basically going yes, to the ordained cool. chefs who are preparing this cool meal with you're you. You're going to the only restaurant in town. Yeah, and you're like getting it all prepped and ready and it's like a big ordeal and you can have like a sweet lunch, dinner, right. whatever. And so, yeah, again, you have to think, rem- be remembering, like this isn't just like a, These a aren't, highest no. sacrificial activity. This is like a, oh, Let's go do this cool thing where we get a nice meal and maybe it gets us some good luck. Well, the diet, too, of these people is meat is mm-hmm. very rarely consumed. Mm-hmm. So they're not eating meat at home. Right. Their diet is not that. So when you go to the temple, you are eating meat. Yes. And so it's very easy to turn this into our ritual yeah. is a social thing. Yes. And it's just good. Yeah. But the heart is definitely not in it. And that's why uh, then he follows up the sarcasm like, look. You guys have not returned because I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities. So now he's going to go, cleanness of teeth means there's no food stuck in them. Yeah, because you haven't eaten in a while. So basically he says, um, God has brought famine, drought, blight, mildew, locust, pestilence, war, and basically his anger. Mm -hmm. And then after each of these, he says, yet you did not return to me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. (laughs) Oh, man. And then he says who God is. The creator, the word of God, the God of hosts. Like, Mm -hmm. prepare. And then that's going to lead us into chapter 5, which is a lament. But before that, did you... He says, yet you did not return to me after each one of these. So, like, the idea of famine. Turn to the Lord. Seek him. Return to him. Like, not just to manipulate him, but say, dear God, what's going on? Have mercy. Because he hears that. 
And remember, this is a this is even stemming back from Solomon's prayer right. to God when he dedicated the temple and said, "When we've fallen away from you, and you've caused famine on the land because we're no longer in your protection, right? When we return to you, restore us, restore the land, and heal it." And so these things are happening because they're so far away from God. But I and, will say, and God's like, "I'm sending these things, but you're not returning." Right. It's shocking. Now, so we, we, now I'm going to show up. See, so we're always trying, right, prepare to meet your God. Yeah. We're always trying to say, like, look, bad things happen, not because you deserve them. Mm-hmm. Which is, there's truth to that. Like, you know, we're born with sick children. We're born with, or mm-hmm. things happen. There's war around us. But the, we're so selfish that we're always thinking, what did I do to do this? Mm-hmm. You know, you can repent and say, dear God, have mercy on behalf of the suffering of others. You can see a homeless guy asking for money Mm -hmm. and go, God, have mercy. I wish I could do something for him. God, will you help him? Yeah. It doesn't, he's not poor because you did something. And then just because of that situation, we feel like, oh, well, I'm powerless or I don't need to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I got confused there with the homeless guy. No, I'm 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 trying to track. Here's what I mean. We have rejected the idea that like famine has anything to do with us. Oh, it's just, yeah. Well, it's just the world we live in. Mm-hmm. The Bible seems to say these events should lead you to going, God have mercy. God, yes. Whether you did anything or not, mm-hmm. it's not about whatever's going on in the world. Cry out and say, God have mercy. This is not just. This is not right. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like the current president, right? Right. All they want to do is complain and cry out to the government. So they're putting their faith in other government officials. Right. Well, really, just go, God have mercy on our country. Mm-hmm. Like, because it might be because we've been sinful. Right. It might not be. It might just be random. But it also might be because you've turned your back on the Lord. Yeah. And I think we've discounted that idea, is what I'm trying to say, so much yes. that we can become like Israel and think, well, well, there's just earthquakes and there's just natural things and there's nothing to do with our behavior. Right. Well, no, they might be. And you can't control everybody else. So to say, God, have mercy on me, you know, cleanse me, mm-hmm. but also protect me from these things. Yeah. Like, it's affecting you. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, no, no. That, that's good. But it, I just think it's interesting. But my, I'm looking at my own heart. Yeah. Because the first thing I want to say is like, well, I didn't worship any idols. Mm-hmm. Why do I have the famine? Mm-hmm. Because you're connected to a nation that's worshiped idols. Well, I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can cry out to God. You cry out to God. And you say, have mercy on these people. Mm-hmm. I'm part of these people. Forgive mm-hmm. us. And I think that's something that's missing uh, in our experience of Christianity at this time. We're so individualistic that we just want to make sure we're okay and we're not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, you're part of a people that are bigger than you. Everything you do can bless or hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we're all guilty. Yes. Okay, sorry. Cool. Thank you. No, that was good. You did not return to me. He says, therefore, prepare to meet your God. Yes. And then comes chapter five, the lament. Yeah. So he's singing a lament, a, a song that you sing after someone has died. I know. And so he's singing it to his to Israel because he's like, in my in the mind of God, and in my mind now, you are already dead. So I'm going to sing this song over you. I mean, can you imagine we set you up front in church mm-hmm. and then I sing this song? We'll really miss you, Matt. <laughs> what a horrible way to die. You were an awful person. I can't believe he's gone It's true, but he deserved it Drinking and driving You know, like, you're sitting there going, what? (laughs) I 
I didn't even drink and drive. What's going on? And you're like, oh no, this is all happening. Yes. Why? Because you have not sought me. Mm-hmm. And so then um, he's got like the professional mourners almost. I mean, he's literally doing their eulogy, yeah. saying this is going to happen, even though it's 20 to 50 years away. Yes. And, uh, but again, the graciousness of God is everything's doomed, but seek me and live. Mm-hmm. I mean, even look at Nineveh. Who knows? Maybe God will relent. Yeah. And then he goes and he breaks down again, like the, the sites of false worship that they've set I up. Know. He's like, do not seek Bethel. Don't go into Gilgal. Don't cross over into Beersheba. Uh, for Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. Uh, it's amazing. And I love how he's like, I'm going to burn these places of false worship down. I'm going to break off the horns of these altars. They will be nothing. They will not be a source of salvation for you. Did you catch too how he says like, you know, our God is the God of Orion. Yeah. He the, names these constellations. The and then, and, Orion. and then later he says, uh, talks about their star gods, which yes. they're going to march. Cause I guess yeah. they'd have parades with these star gods and all these things. And he's like, you're going to march with your star gods straight into captivity. Yes. Beyond Damascus. Yes. So the, the star gods are like, um, Mesopotamian and, in, in uh, nature. And so, like the idea that I had is that they're actually going. These gods are going to lead you into yeah, captivity. They already have. They're going to lead you back from the lands that they came from. Which is what all of our idols do. Mm-hmm. Money and your pursuit of money only apart from God will lead you into captivity. Yes. And money will mock you in the mm-hmm. end. Yes. Or relationships will mm-hmm. mock you. Or identifying yourself as something other than what God has identified you will mock you and lead you into a faraway place of death. I mean, but maybe God will be gracious to you if you cry out to him. And maybe he'll leave a remnant over, like left over. Uh, I do in the... Let justice roll down, down, man, like a stream. I mean, like, it's... So we do have, um, yeah, so that in the 24, verse, the chapter 5, verse 24, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream and... This is kind of a, a very key theme within all the prophets, is this relationship of justice and righteousness, where God, a loving God and a loving uh, community, always has to have both. Like, if it's going to be righteous, there always has to be justice as well. Right. Like, if people are going to be unrighteous, there needs to be justice on them. Yeah, To right. be loving to a community, we have to punish people who go outside and break break the law or break boundaries. I mean, you know, my, my most ridiculous, I do it to just make the point uh, of justice is if someone, if a, there's a judge and he gets Hitler in the courtroom and he goes to everybody, Hitler, are you really sorry? Yeah, I'm sorry. I had a tough childhood. Okay, I'm going to be totally loving to you, Hitler, and let you go free of mm-hmm. all these charges. Well, would he be a good judge or a bad judge? Right, we would all be like, what? The rest of the world would go, you are an unjust judge. Yeah. You're not loving. You might think you're loving Hitler, but yeah. you're being unjust to millions, and there has to be justice for righteousness to rule. Mm-hmm. And so that's the idea. Uh, it's an absurd thing, yeah. but you know what I mean. And so God is justice. Mm-hmm. And so justice is the righteousness of God. And, I mean, he even says at the very end, it's like, I don't want to hear all your noise. I don't want to hear all your 
your offerings and sacrifices to me anymore because it's not never been about that. It's been about your heart, and as a result, you offer these things. But it's your heart first, and we'll we'll talk about that with Paul. Yes, but the Old yes. Testament is repeatedly That's true. saying this is a good this, this is a good uh, transition because he's like. Look, when you guys wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, you weren't doing these sacrifices. Right. And, and I, I, well, I was with you with, in fire and a cloud. And in manna and quail and yeah. water from a rock. Like what? I did, was with protection. you. Right. And I didn't require those sacrifices. I required your heart. Right. I just want to be with you and I want you to be with me. And That's think, all. And think about how, remember like Jericho, how did we conquer nations? Mm-hmm. We prayed and shouted to the Lord then in conquering, but that was because you, I led you. It's a relational yes. thing. It's not the prime. Anyway, so uh, he ends with, you're going to carry all these gods into, um, all these gods you have, they're going to lead you right to captivity. Mm-hmm. And for me, the end of this section is seek me and live. And I think he even says that. Yes. Seek me and live. And I think that's an enduring message even for us. It's like wherever you are, if you're in prosperity or you're in despair, the answer for both is seek me and live. Yes. Woo! Thanks, Amos. We'll talk to you some more next time. Amos. That's the shepherd blues. That's the shepherd blues. I'm just a shepherd. I got some good news and I got some bad news. I'll stop there. All right. Let's go to our New Testament reading for the day. It's found in... Our New Testament reading for today is Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through chapter 4, verse 15. So we kind of ended uh, in the previous episode with a cliffhanger that we didn't leave hanging. <laughs> we tried to answer the question, but uh, Paul was saying, he's tr- well, basically Paul is trying to unite the Jews and Gentiles because they have thousands of years of being separated mm-hmm. and kept apart, and now they're united in Christ. Yes. And he's trying to show that the Gentile has sinned, the Jew has sinned, it's harder for the Jewish person to uh, see their sin because mm-hmm. they've had the law. So Paul's trying to reconcile, saying, look, here's the law we're under now, mm-hmm. and here's how it works. And so um, he was answering the question uh, and that's being he's being charged with by communities of, of the Jewish folks is, you're saying, Paul, that we can just sin as much as we want, and it actually makes God's grace even greater. Yeah, or, yeah, we don't need the law anymore. Right. Are you arguing that we... The law's abolished and we don't need it anymore? And, and are you arguing that when God spoke to us from Sinai, that didn't matter? Mm-hmm. That all that is null and void? And mm-hmm. Paul is saying, by no means, hear me now. And so what we're getting into is um, Paul's brilliance of working with the Old Testament, kind of like clay, like he's a master potter. He's saying, mm-hmm. look, everything we need is in the Old Testament to make sense of the righteousness of Christ. And so... Um, Chapter 3, verse 9, he so, uses Isaiah, first of all. Is that who he's using? I believe so. Cool. Yeah, where he's like, there's no one righteous, no, not one. Okay. Because he's trying to say, are you better, are the Jews any better off? Not at all. And then he goes on to basically condemn the Jewish people through the words of the prophet. I thought it was Isaiah. You can yeah. double check me on that. Where he's saying, no one's righteous. In fact, your throat is an open grave. You use your tongues to deceive. Mm-hmm. The feet are swift to shed blood. I mean, it just goes all the way down. And, um, and he goes, look, I just read to you the law. Yeah. The law says that you're dead in your trespasses and your sins. Jew and Gentile. Yes. It, That's the law. There is no, what's it, what is that word he says? There's no, um, it doesn't matter who you are. Like there's no, ah, I forget the word. There's a great word. But 
Um, I'm still trying to think of it. I just need to let it go. Yeah. So he's getting down to, no, the, the purpose of the law is that we are all condemned before God. Right. And we are not saved by following the law because we are incapable of doing it. And so there's a, at this point, within certain rabbinic traditions, at, like there's this idea that we can attain salvation through following the law. Right. And he's trying to go, no, that's not the purpose of the law. You're misunderstanding the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to show us we're in need of a savior. Right. In fact, he's saying like, no one is righteous. The whole world is accountable. He's trying to prove that we're all accountable to God. Yes. That he's not just overlooking it. Mm-hmm. Paul's not saying, oh, God's just overlooking the law. He's saying something different. He goes, the law only brings knowledge of sin. Yes. See, the law was never intended to save. Mm-hmm. It was intended to show you the will of God so that you would go, oh, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. How do I have no other gods? How do I not murder? How do I not cheat? How do I not steal? Um, and so the law only brings knowledge of sin. And even the work of the Holy Spirit is to, and as we read the scriptures, we become aware of just how broken yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. And so that's the point. So it's very good. It's like, is a diagnosis better than the, uh, like, if you go to a doctor, what's more valuable to you? The diagnosis of what's actually wrong or just his word that you're going to be okay? Like, what do, you, what do you really want from a doctor when you first go to him? You want to know yeah, what's want, going on. Yes. And then you want to know what's the plan. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul's saying. The law is, tell me what's going on. Okay, mm-hmm. you're dead. Oh, so oh, no. what do I do? What's now, the plan? Now, that's the diagnosis. Yeah. You are dead. Now, the, um, what do they call, what do doctors call the solution? Um, the pro, uh, I can't mm. think now. So wow. Anyway, so yeah. Paul now breaks Words. into the righteousness that comes apart from the law. Because the law is just making your sin mm-hmm. known, and we need, God, we need God's word for this, but now the righteousness comes apart from the law through faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the plan is uh, Jesus is going to take care of uh, the punishment of the law, right. the requirements of the law. He's going to meet those because we cannot. Well, and Jesus comes apart from the law, and this is what all the prophets bear witness to, that the mm-hmm. righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying, look, here is the plan. Here's the recovery plan. Yes. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that, that, that's, the, that's word, the word, distinction. distinction. There's no distinction between Jew and Gentile here. Yes. See? Because it doesn't matter when you got the law or how you got the law or who got it first because the law wasn't like a diagnosis. So it doesn't matter if you got the diagnosis when you are a baby or you got it when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. The sickness has always been there, and it's there for those with the diagnosis and without the diagnosis. Yes. And the, the plan is put forward, apart from the law, this is a total act of grace yes. that God would send his son, and then he says, to be a propitiation by his blood, to be received by faith. Okay. And then he says, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the former sins. Okay, what are you, what are you thinking? So put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Uh, you guys have been, if you're listening to this, you've been with us for a little bit. So you might remember... Half the year? When, we've, when we talked about setting up the tabernacle right. and the Ark of the Covenant, and that the law was in the Ark of the Covenant, and part of the sacrificial system is you would sacrifice a lamb for the sins of 
your house or for the people. Right. And the priest would then take a branch, put it in the blood, and throw it and cover the altar with right. the blood um, from outside. And so this, again, is a picture of what Jesus is doing. This is what that line there means, is Jesus' blood is being sprinkled onto the law so that the law's requirement for blood, requirement for justice, is met. Because it's a good thing. The law is a good thing. And yeah, and it's met right. through the blood of Jesus. Because God is a loving God, and he, like we read earlier with Amos, requires justice and righteousness. So there is a need for justice, but it's met through the blood of Christ being sprinkled over the law for us. And so then you get to Paul's whole point mm-hmm. in the end of chapter 3. It's, it's so this whole boasting thing. Yes. So all this is to say, so who's going to boast about following the law? Yeah. You, there is no boasting. Yeah. The whole thing is we're all condemned under the law. We needed yeah. something outside of the law to, first of all, show us the law, fulfill the law, protect us from the law. And that's what I'm trying to tell you is that God justifies both Jew and Gentile. That yeah. God is the justifier through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There's a line, though. Um, he says, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? So now it's going back to, oh, I can keep sinning because grace abounds. Mm-hmm. So Paul comes back and says, so do you think that I'm saying mm-hmm. the law now, we just overthrow God's law by faith? And he says, no. Right. No. In fact, what we do is, on the contrary, we uphold the law. So you have to think about that. Like, right. think about what does it mean to overthrow the law by faith? So it's like, I'm just going to believe that these laws no longer exist. Right. No. He's like, it's the exact opposite. Right. In faith, you put your faith in Christ, and now you see these laws as not condemning you, but offering you life Mm -hmm. because they no longer condemn you. They now invite you to live Mm -hmm. and try and work under these laws of God. Yeah. Okay. So the thing that's occurring to me is like as a rebellious 16 year old, yes, the speed limit you just see as an annoying restriction to your driving. And you're just like, Oh, it's holding me back. And I just want to speed. I want to get, I want to speed. I want to drive fast. I want to get to the place I'm going quickly. I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy the road. Right. And I want to enjoy my car or my vehicle or whatever. And it's seen as a restriction until you get in an accident. Right. Exactly. And then you realize, oh, no, no, this is for my safety and the safety of those around me. And now all of a sudden, this annoying road sign is now a guideline to life. And right. you go, oh, I want to drive safely and I want to get to where I'm going alive. And I want to not kill anyone else. It is very much, like, that's a pretty good analogy, especially as a person who has driven and has a child who drives. Mm -hmm. And so the law is, I'm so thankful there is a speed limit, Mm -hmm. and I pray to God, I recognize the grace of God that we're not always in accidents, right? Right, yeah. And so um, your mind changes. So this faith changes your mind so that when you are condemned by the law now is something attainable for you. Mm-hmm. It's not something that just restricts you. It's something to live under that and protects. The law protects you. Yes. The law is a blessing to you. Mm-hmm. It opens up opportunities for you because it no longer condemns. And I think that's what our minds have missed for so long. Mm-hmm. Is like, we're just trying to get a quick answer for this law thing. Like, do I have to keep it or not? And God's, again, he's like saying, here's relationship. We're married now. Yeah. 
So you can keep asking me, can I go out with other people? And I'll go like, dude, we're married. You don't go out with other people. And it's annoying. And until you understand what it means to be married, then you realize, oh, I don't have to worry about being in love and being taken care of. I have all that here. I'm going to stop. Now I stop looking for other people because I realize what I have. That's a weird way to go around it. No, I think, yeah, you're right. But it's the same thing. The law becomes... A safe there's thing. A, there's a transformation that happens right. when all of a sudden you put yourself underneath Christ and you recognize the the requirement is no longer for you to meet it perfectly. It's to be blessed by it's it. It's now, oh, I can live under it and allow it to guide and instruct and flow into who I am. And you start to let God be God yeah. under it. Because yeah. under God's law, with by faith, it becomes a beautiful thing mm-hmm. because you're already safe. All right. And now it's a, um, it's a matter of, oh, I get to let God be God, and I'm not going to have other gods before me. Yeah. I don't want, and, and it actually switches, right? It's like I become the kind of person who, I don't want to worship another God. Yeah. I don't want to take his name in vain. I want to use a Sabbath mm-hmm. day to gather around his word. I don't want to disobey my parents. I don't want, I want to yeah. do these things. Instead of, um, oh, man, why do I have to do that? Yes. Okay. So the ultimate example, because this is a major shift in the way humans think. Yes. And so Paul goes back to the father. And what he's doing here is he's trying to say the father Abraham is not, because remember, his whole idea is to say Jews and Gentiles, you're all of one faith now. Mm -hmm. One can't boast over the other. One's Mm -hmm. not doing the other a favor and vice versa. You're all from the same Mm -hmm. father, father Abraham. Shocking to the Jew and new to the Gentile. Like, who's father Abraham? What do you mean? Because when I read the Old Testament, it does seem like, Oh well, I'm not Jewish, darn it. And Paul's going, No, you are. Let's relook. Let's relook at Abraham. You know what I mean? Because I'm sorry, that was a great phrase. No, you know what I mean? Because because you, imagine like some Jewish folks come in and I'm like, Oh, you guys are like the real deal. They're like, Yeah, look look at this, and they go back to Genesis mm-hmm. and go, uh, I'm from Abraham, and mm-hmm. I follow the line here, and I'm like, Oh man, I'm just a Greek dude. Oh, yeah. I'm just from old Yugoslavia. It hasn't changed yet or been invented yet, but. And it'd be easy to fall into that and go, what do I have to do to be mm-hmm. even a better Christian, like mm-hmm. more Jewish? And Paul's like, stop that. Stop. You're all from Abraham. Let me show you. And this is a beautiful, uh, it begins a beautiful section going about Abraham was justified by faith. He is our forefather according to the flesh only. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, right? So he's right. saying, look, if Abraham yeah. did something better than everybody else, he could boast. I followed God, you all didn't, Mm -hmm. I'm better, you're my kids, we're better. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, no, man. In fact, the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Yes. So if you remember, God called Abraham out of idolatry into a land that was not his own and told him that he would have kids and he was already past the age of having kids. And Abraham just believed it. Right. Now, he did not always act no. On that faith. In fact, if you remember Hagar, if you remember him fleeing to Egypt, he, he often did things that were contrary to what God had said was going to happen and tried to figure it out on his own. But at the end of the day, he would still call out and be like, Lord, I ultimately trust you. And that's... Abraham had imperfect faith. Yes. But God says, and that's one of my favorite references mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning of the story is... He believed, and it was counted as righteousness. Yes. Like, if we are concerned about doing the work of God, it all goes back to, here is the work of God for you. Yes. 
trust him, mm-hmm. believe in him. So work for us becomes rest. It's very difficult. It's That's very the idea. Of, it goes contrary back contrary to, to what we want. You want to be more righteous. You want to be better. First of all, the righteousness that you walk into yeah. is not going to be for boasting because the righteousness is complete rest upon God. Rest in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I mean, think about it again from Abraham's perspective. His job is to just believe that God's going to give him a child at his old age with and his give old wife. him a land right. that's already occupied. So by faith, he just, walks through Canaan, going just walk around out. Canaan, yeah. and uh, sleep with your wife. Right. <laughs> Two things I can do and I enjoy. <laughs> but see, we make it difficult because if that was happening today. We would say, you're being lazy. You're mm-hmm. not working hard. Ah, you do that. You go ahead and you do You should th- be making some deals with the people. Right. You know what, Matt? You do that. You yeah. just have a relationship with your wife and walk this promised land. In the meantime, I'm going to cut some deals. I'm going to try and get all my maidservants pregnant because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how we're going to get this baby deal done. Right. I'm already 100. And, you know, I'm not going to be stupid about this. Yes. And all I'm doing there is betraying the faith. That you don't actually believe that God's going to really come through on his promise. Right. Which, to you know save what? you. And God forgives you, but at the end of the day, the real righteousness is faith is the work. Do you call out to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I trust you for all good things. So what I realize is Paul is hitting here is faith is a gift mm-hmm. you receive. Yes. Your faith is not something you mustered up and did with God. It is completely 100% a gift of God, mm-hmm. and it is counted to you as the righteousness of God. Yes. You fulfill the whole law when you trust in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And now you're free to walk in it. Yeah. You, all you have to do is open it. So you find out it is the whole law of God, but now you, again, we go back to, now you start to love it. So then he breaks down. So what's the deal with, uh, with circumcision? I thought we were special. The Jews are saying, wait, but aren't we special because we have the sign of circumcision? Mm-hmm. And they had begun to think like that is what brought you in. Right. And Paul's saying, no, Abe had faith. I call him Abe. Yeah. Abe had yeah. faith before he was circumcised. Yes. Circumcision is a seal of faith. Yes. And so um, he is the father of all who would believe before circumcision and mm-hmm. after circumcision. Mm-hmm. So he is our father in faith. Yes. And then in verse 13, there's you can't let this go by. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Mm. So like all the descendants of Abraham, not just physical ones, but faith, those of us who have faith in God and in Jesus Christ, did you catch the promise that he would be heir of the world? Yes. So already to Abraham, Paul's saying, look, the inheritance is a new creation. And mm-hmm. it began by the work of faith, which is rest. Can you handle this? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, in our human nature, no. We're so insecure, (laughs) we're going to work for something that's paid for and ruin it. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's Abraham would be cutting deals for a land that's already his. Right. That God's already paid for. And it's insulting, and it leads you, like, if I pay for your meal, and you keep, you go back and do dishes, and don't enjoy the meal with me, I'm like, Matt, you're missing out on everything, and Mm -hmm. I'm done paying for your meals. If you're Mm -hmm. not just going to trust that it's paid for, bro... And so the heir of the world. And then the law becomes something great. It's like the law is, oh, our God's with us. Mm-hmm. How many times have you said to yourself, I, I'm saying it right now in certain areas, God, just tell me what to do. Right. I want to know what to do. And it's like that's the relationship. So this passage is key for unity to each other, but also to God yes. through Christ. It's, um, 
It's a whole new language for the Jews and for the Gentiles who are coming out of idolatry. Uh, I love that we're connected to Father Abraham, Mm -hmm. and we were in him back then. Like, we are the people of faith. Faith is the gift of God. It's the gift of his work applied to us. And uh, I I don't know. It's still hard to believe, but God's calling us to rest. Yeah, Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like, hey, I want you to rest, and then I want you to reap all the benefits of having worked really hard. I want you to rest and walk into houses you didn't build. Walk into vineyards, go and harvest vineyards you didn't plant. I want you to go into the place of death, the desert, and be fed by ravens, be fed by manna. That's the work of God. Can you handle it? And it's like, God have mercy. I cannot handle it. Yeah. I'm so scared. Yeah. Right. I know. But I'm going to do everything I can to show you I'm with you. I'm for you because you are the people of faith. Never underestimate the work, the righteousness that you are in through faith. Mm-hmm. It's pretty great. So, thanks, Paul. We'll keep we'll keep uh, understanding this as we go. Our psalm for today is Psalm eighty-five, verses eight through thirteen. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people, to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.